0: everyone and welcome to the Balanced Purpose Podcast. My name is Ray Trevino and I am your host. Each week we will explore the essential elements of living a fulfilling, balanced and meaningful life. Our podcast brings together entrepreneurs, business executives, coaches, and everyday people like you and me who have seen challenges and have overcome adversities to create success and find balance in their lives. Whether you're a young professional seeking to make an impact in your career, a parent looking to balance work and family life, or a retiree seeking to create a new purpose, our podcast is something for everyone. So join us as we delve into the world of living a balanced and purposeful life and discover how you can create a life of balance and purpose for yourself. Today's guest is a sought after speaker, life coach, and host of the Unblocked podcast. With over 15 years as a clinical social worker her focus is liberating individuals through mindset coaching dismantling self-imposed prisons i would like to welcome jessica tomorrow to our show jessica how you doing today
1: i'm doing well
0: well it's so great to have you with us on the show would you mind telling our listeners a little bit about yourself and maybe throw in a fun fact that most people don't know about you?
1: Oh, I love that question. Well, I'm a licensed social worker and certified life coach. My career as a clinician, I did jail diversion, alternative to incarceration initiatives, kind of at the system level. And as you mentioned My more recent jail diversion efforts have been focused on the individual level, helping free people from the prison of an unmanaged mind. As we were talking about right before we hit record, I live in the suburbs of San Antonio with my husband and I have four bonus kids ranging 11 to 24, three boys and one girl. And I can't forget PJ, the 85 pound golden doodle, who also resides here. So fun facts about me, Ray. I knew you were gonna ask this question because I've heard your podcast before. So I was trying to think of something I hadn't already shared with people because earlier this year, I did 10 fun facts about me and shared things like I was a volunteer for a year between undergrad and grad school and lived off of $80 a month in the Bay Area. I also, for the last seven years, have done a conference call at 6.30 a.m. every day for the last seven years. And so I was trying to think of something that I didn't share on there. And I don't think I shared this, but in addition to being a licensed clinician and a certified life coach, I am also a certified yoga teacher and Zumba instructor. And I don't teach either of those, (laughs) but I thought it would be fun to share because I think that one, we're all multifaceted people. We're all multi-interested people. And I think it's important to prioritize what you love and what interests you, even if you don't plan to do it for money, that following what lights you up actually leads to opportunities. And actually, as I'm telling the story, can I share a story, Ray? Oh,
0: yes. Bring it. (laughs)
1: As I'm sharing this fun fact, it makes me think. So it's probably been I don't like 3 or 4 years now. I was going to a birthday party here in the Sibilo area. It was an adult birthday party. I think that's important to know. <laughs> but there was there was like a dance floor and karaoke outside all laid out by the pool and listen, something else, maybe this is my fun fact. There is no dance floor that is safe from this girl. Like if there's a dance floor like it's going to get used. And so I was like a cruise director, like we were doing the Cupid shuffle, the wobble, Karaoke to ridiculous things like baby got back, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. And in the process of doing that, I meet this woman who's like my new bestie, and she's like, What do you do? And at the time, I was the manager for the behavioral health of Bear County for the behavioral health department in Bear County but what I said was I'm a life and mindset coach I was like doing it part I had just gotten certified just started and she was like no way I have a real estate investment group and I'm looking for somebody to come in and do monthly mindset coaching calls would you be interested in doing that and I was like yes I would so I I just throw that out there that even though I didn't know that dancing on the impromptu dance floor at this party was going to lead to opportunities like that. That's the moral of the story. Do it lights you up. Even if you don't think it's goal directed other than to have fun, it just might lead to exciting opportunities.
0: Isn't that part of understanding and living your purpose?
1: Yes. 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 That's
0: exactly where it begins. And I love that story, and I love how you connected on the dance floor. I probably know all those people. <laughs> it's crazy that you live in Cibolo, because that's that's my home. That's where I grew up. Thank you for your support in listening to the podcast. I love yours as well. Together, we're just trying to do our part to promote world peace. And in listening to your most recent podcast, I hope you're over your COVID, three years without COVID. That's pretty cool.
1: I know. Right. Leave it to me to be fashionably late. I did not get it until I had a work event in Nashville and I got back and I was like, what, what is this thing that's happening? (laughs) I was like, I don't understand. And it was like, it's like, it was long. I was like, it's still, Um, but yes, I'm fully recovered now. Thank you. That's
0: great. I'm glad to hear that. Now, I do want to hear more about how you survived off of $80 a month in the Bay Area.
1: Okay. Well, so to be clear, <laughs> my housing was taken care okay. of. So that's, but right, like I lived off of my roommate there. I didn't know. I just was placed with a couple of women living in Berkeley on Alcatraz Ave. Like if I, on a clear day, if I looked down my street, I could see Alcatraz Island out in the Bay. But my roommate was like dying because even though I was making $80 a month, I was saving money. Wow. Like that will tell you, listen, like my dad will be so proud. He was one of those like blue collar, you save your money, pay with cash, we don't do debt. Like $80 a month. And it might have been a dollar eighty that I was putting away every month, but I was saving money. But I did I did a year of volunteer service. And I will say it was in between undergrad and grad school, and I knew I was going to go to grad school to be a social worker. <laughs> and I was was like, well, we know I'm not going to make any money doing that. So I probably should learn to live off of very little. And the organization I did it through was this whole like live simply that others may simply live. Like it was just this whole, like I couldn't have a car for a year. So I would be cruising around the Bay Area on my bicycle every day to drive to to drive. I use that term loosely (laughs) to to get to work. Five and a half miles each direction. I rode my bike um, or to the BART in the Bay Area. And sometimes grocery shopping (laughs) on my handlebars, I'd like hang grocery sacks. It was an adventure, but yeah, it's amazing what you could do. You get creative, but I wanted to spend a year doing something in a community that I was from a town of 1900 people in Iowa, Mm. right? So I wanted to get out into the world. And so I was placed in, in the Bay Area and I volunteered at a school in Oakland and at an elementary school organizing like recesses and after school activities because there was so much violence. I mean, this is elementary school, but I would organize activities uh, so that they were playing four square and not fighting each mm. other uh, during recess. So I guess it was kind of a little preamble to my jail diversion days. I was like just starting young in different areas in impacting human behavior and reducing violence.
0: And so would you mind explaining what jail diversion is for our listeners? Yeah.
1: I know. Oh, I love jail diversion. So essentially, there's so many different versions of it. But essentially, like in the area that I worked in, we were looking at alternatives to incarceration for people who have mental health and substance use disorders. There's a fancy term called the sequential intercept model. Hank Stedman would be so happy I'm sharing this right now. But essentially, there are just these different intercept points in communities where you're working with law enforcement on the front end so that they're educated and aware of mental illness and substance use disorder. So maybe, they could get people plugged into treatment services rather than arrest them. And then once they're in the criminal justice system, identifying and assessing and getting them connected to services as soon as possible, working on re-entry to reduce recidivism, and then also working with systems of care in the community to make sure that we have available, accessible, comprehensive mental health treatment, addiction treatment so that people are getting their needs met in the community. So that first responders aren't being called because if you're familiar with the first responder world at all, we know that they're dealing with a lot of our behavioral health calls in this world. And I think in our country that you'll often hear the stats that places like Cook County Jail and Rikers Island and L.A. County are the largest mental health providers in our country. So, yeah, clearly I'll talk to me about jail diversion. I will geek out for an hour, but that's the quick and dirty of what uh, jail diversion is all about.
0: Well, now. How does an arresting officer determine whether it's a mental health addiction or just a criminal?
1: Well, it's tricky. Like That's a lot to put on officers. That's a great question. That's a lot to put on officers. So there's a big push for training for officers. There's something called CIT training, crisis intervention team training. That's a 40 hour training, which is actually what brought me to San Antonio. For a long time, San Antonio police had kind of the gold standard in all things CIT, Mm. the specialized mental health training for law enforcement. They had plainclothes mental health officers. And so I would bring my officers down from Iowa. It was like using San Antonio as the train, the trainer to get them trained in CIT. So then we could go back to Iowa and put that training on. So that's part of it is that they have specialized training for it. And then there's a whole model of, you know, having stakeholders come together so that law enforcement is partnering with behavioral health providers so that they're getting a sense of what are some signs and symptoms that this might be addiction and not just a volitional behavioral problem. So go get CIT trained. <laughs> there's my plug.
0: It's in my notes now. Well, even so, if it's a bad criminal act, can't it easily be related to mental health?
1: Yes, a lot of times. And you know, if we use an example, if there's something violent, right? Or there's something that warrants removing somebody from the community for a period of time for their safety and others. Jail diversion doesn't always mean that they don't go to jail, but if they do go to jail, we want to make sure that we have the appropriate treatment services available and they get assessed for that so that you put some mitigating factors in place so that when they come back out of jail, they're better prepared, right? They're on their medications if they need to be They're They've been clean and sober. They have an addiction treatment, mental health treatment set up. They've got some natural support set up in the community to help support them as they transition out so that you don't see them cycle back through the system.
0: That's great. That's great. Where do you fit in to this entire system? So
1: that's what I did in Iowa before I moved to Texas. So I worked in Johnson County. I actually worked for the sheriff's office there and I was the jail alternatives administrator. So I oversaw that fancy sequential intercept model that I mentioned. I kind of oversaw the things that were happening. So the CIT training we were implementing for officers, working with our community mental health providers to make sure we had a robust system of care, setting up clinicians in the jail and at initial appearances. So we're identifying people having social workers working with the people in jail so that we can transition them out in the jail, partnering with probation, parole. I like oversaw those programs that help get them started up and running. And then I moved, Ray. So I don't do that anymore. <laughs> I don't do that in Iowa anymore. But I loved it.
0: Welcome to the great state of Texas.
1: Listen, that was a transition for me. And I shocked Iowa when I left they were like what I love my job obviously and got to do really cool stuff as part of that and then I came to San Antonio and I was like well San Antonio there's a the gold standard of all of this stuff it's going to be great and I was the director for like a partial hospitalization program for one of the psych hospitals here I was a clinic administrator for the local mental health authority I was the manager for the department of behavioral health for Bear County and I was like this ain't it <laughs> Speaking of my purpose, I was like, "This is not it." So I had a little bit of my career crisis of transition where I was like, "Oh, that thing that I was so lit up about in my career in Iowa is not here." So I decided just to become a life coach. <laughs> That's the short, the short version of the story. Ray was I was working before kind of at the systems level and like the meso macro level of things, and I was like. I'm going to focus on the individual uh, level of things because actually it was with my therapist at the time. She was like, well, who has the job that you love? I'm like, no one. They don't exist. Jessica, my name was Peckover. It's a Jessica Peckover in Iowa. She had the best job and it doesn't exist anymore. And then after I got over my tantrum, you know, I could think for a moment and actually the person who came to mind was Marsha. I'm having her on my podcast later this afternoon. Love Marsha. She was my yoga teacher back in Iowa. She's actually the woman I got certified with and I did not want to be a yoga te- That was not going to be my career purpose. But what I meant was like when, when I was asked, like, who has the job that you want? Marsha came to mind because she was this mix of like soulful, playful, and she curated opportunities and experiences for people to explore themselves right to understand who they are to understand their dharma and their purpose and to access parts of them that they don't always get to access and to figure out how to get in physical alignment and yoga but also like mental emotional spiritual alignment and go out in the world in that way so it wasn't all that dissimilar I mean on the surface like it wasn't jail diversion right I'm not working with people who are incarcerated at this point or at least that I know of (laughs) But, but similar things underneath it, like ultimately you're like getting at the human spirit and trying to figure out like, who am I, what am I here to do? And how do I show up in this world on purpose and intentionally? So I was like, yeah, I'm going to do that. That sounds better than what I'm doing right now. So (laughs) here we are.
0: So how does that begin? So I I come to you and I tell you, man, my chakras, they're all messed up and all (laughs) over the place. (laughs) Yes. I need some mental, emotional, and spiritual alignment because <laughs> yes. I'm not sure my dharma is flowing the way it's Your supposed dharma's to. Your dharma is
1: all out of whack. Yeah. So a lot of what I do, I most, I mean, I will mostly describe myself as a mindset coach. So I'll, I'll give you all the little rundown, a little sneak peek on the foundational concept that I use. I call it the STEAR model. I love acronyms. So it's S T E A R, which stands for situation, thought, emotion, action, results. So as Mm. humans, like any experience we're having is going to fall in one of those categories, right? Like the situations are just the neutral facts happening out in the world. Like the internet stops working in the middle of recording a podcast, for example, one could use that. And that is just a neutral fact happening out in the world. We don't think that we're like, no, this is a problem and I'm having feelings about it, but we don't have feelings about it until we have a thought. Right. If we bring in our friend Viktor Frankl, when he says between stimulus and response, there is a space. And in that space lies your power to choose. That's what a thought is like what your spouse says to you, what your boss says when it's 173 degrees in South Texas. Those are just (laughs) neutral facts. Right. They have no meaning until we have a thought and a thought gives us all its meaning. And that's really important because our thoughts are optional. So we can choose our thoughts, that's empowering. And then our thoughts create our feelings or our emotions. And listen, I worked with law enforcement for a long time. They don't wanna talk about their feelings. They don't want to talk about their emotions. But here's what I tell people, everything that you do or don't do in this world has everything to do with emotions. You go buy something you can't afford because you think you're gonna feel good about yourself. You don't ask somebody out on a date because you're afraid you're gonna feel rejection. Like everything you do is because of how you think it will make you feel or because you wanna avoid a feeling. Right. So feel your feels and that will change your life. That's moral of the story. That's the short version. But then your feelings are the fuel for your actions. So they drive your actions, inactions, reactions, which create the R results that you have in your life. So when people come to me, like depending on what they're showing up with, like we're going to look at kind of what's coming up for you in that model. And we're going to see what we can do to fix all that and fix. I use that term lightly because I don't think that people need to be fixed. I think people need to be explored and understood. And I think we missed that. If I'm going to get on soapbox for a second, I think that's something like in the self-development, personal development world, self-help, like we we hear self-help and we start focusing on help and we think change, fix, and we don't spend a lot of time getting to know the self. And I think if we're talking about purpose, Ray, I think that that's the whole thing. I don't know if you guys heard, I think it was Mel Robbins, like a TED talk or something. She said, um, I don't know if this is true. I've like tried to find the science on this, but she said that our chances, like your chances of being born, like Ray, you being in that human flesh suit, me being in this human flesh suit, one in 400 trillion with a T, like the chances of us being this version of us, one in 400 trillion. So we're like magical, miraculous unicorns. And if you are a one in 400 trillion miracle, like you probably should get to know this. Like, what are the gifts and talents and interests and things that light you up? And when you put all that together, what happens? Like, I think that's part of our purpose, right? So all that to say, when people come and they're like, oh, I have all these stories and I'm broken, a lot of times it's like, yeah, because I think I have the story of what I think I'm supposed to be or all of these like socially conditioned things that I think I'm supposed to be or how I'm supposed to show up in the world. And so I just work on like, let's like pull it all back and see, first, let's get to know you. Like, let's understand what lights you up. Let's understand what gifts and talents are like baked into your human flesh suit and see how you want to express that and manifest that in the world. And stop spending so much time trying to figure out what you think everyone else expects of you and
0: wants you to be. I love that. You're speaking my language, sister. Yes, it, all, preach. <laughs> it all starts with with expectations that are embedded in us by society. Right. Yeah. And the inner self is What's supposed to be known, it's it's where love radiates from. It radiates from the inside out. Most of society is absorbing from the outside in, which is creating traumas and just all kinds of hurt and pain. And then there's those ugly expectations. How long does it take to get from a situation to a result in oh, your mind?
1: That's a fun question. I'm glad you asked that because it's not necessarily linear, right? Like we're so, we love to think linear. You're like S-T-E-A-R. <laughs> I'm like, no, nah, sometimes it's E-R to S- it's, it's going to be all different ways, right? Sometimes it's quick, right? Like think about it. If you're like something happened, somebody cuts you off in traffic, you don't, not even aware of the thought and you're angry and yelling and screaming, flipping somebody off. And the result is you have car accident. Like it could all happen very quickly. (laughs) But if your Mm -hmm. question is, how long does it take till we start to change things and we can be more purposeful, right? Like that's a $15 $15 million question. And there's so many different ways. Sometimes, though, it isn't in an instant. Like, I had a client who we identified one thought. Like, afterwards, she was like, that one thought has like unlocked 41 years of heartache. Right. So it's like, because sometimes the awareness is enough. Right. Like, just becoming aware of a thought that is blocking you and jamming you up. To use the car for example again, like, if you have your foot on the brake and the gas like sometimes you just need to take your foot off the brake and the vehicle is going to go forward you don't even have to push on the gas so sometimes it can be like that like oh I just found this this thought error I think of our brains as thought generating machines my brain just offered up this thought and I chose to believe it I identified it and just knowing that was enough I can just pluck that out and take my foot off the brake and I can go forward Sometimes it's pulling out things by the root and then bringing in intentional thoughts. It's like systems theories. Like if you remove something, that's going to upset the apple cart. You got to put something else back there sometimes, right? So Mm -hmm. if you have stories about, again, all these like kind of conditioned stories about who you are and where you came from. That can be a little bit longer to then be on purpose about recalibrating and purposefully curating the story you want to tell yourself about yourself, right? So if it comes to self-concept work, that might take a little more time, right? If you've had four decades of telling yourself a different story.
0: And it all boils down to awareness. You know, I'm a huge advocate for therapy and I've been in therapy for years and Mm -hmm. I went through, uh, and I still go through from time to time, EMDR, Mm -hmm. which helps you release those thoughts that are embedded so deep that cause the reactions that we don't know why we're reacting in a certain way. And I think the main thing is actually slowing down. And I usually do this when I have a weird feeling. If I start getting anxiety or if I feel a little bit of anger, or I feel my emotions slipping out of my inner happy, loving, kind self. I have to stop and think, why is this happening? Uh Let's go two, three years back. I would just react. Right. It was straight from situation to reactive. I got anxiety, I was going full speed ahead. Right. Not until I started to understand where these thoughts were coming from did I start to improve and catch the thoughts and slow down. I love that you shared that with us.
1: I teach steer as a self awareness tool, right? Like if somebody's feeling something, you ask the question the very question that would ask somebody, which is why. So if you're feeling anxious, you're feeling angry, you're feeling hurt, you're feeling rejected, everyone listening, pause and ask yourself why, because that's going to give you insight into the thought that you're having. First, you're going to say, well, because my spouse said this, like, okay, Mm. why is that a problem though? Right. And then you're going to hear, well, they don't care about me. Like they don't probably, their time's more important than mine, right? Like you're going to start hearing those thoughts that are driving the feeling.
0: Yep. I wrote that down here. Why? That's always the question, isn't it? And anything you want to figure out, it's always why. Mm -hmm. And, it, and it's my son right now. I have a, a five-year-old son. He's going through a phase where he does things and he's like, my brain just told me to do this. And my brain is making me do this. And my brain asked me to do this.
1: Oh, that's so good. That's not subtle though, because there's a, the words might be uncomfortable, but it's, there's like a dissociation there. This is a tool I will teach my clients. My brain is telling me this thing right now is very different than I think this thing about me. I think that I am not good enough. Oh, My brain is offering up this thought that I'm not good enough. Like even in that, it starts to like distance yourself from it so you're not so identified with it. This is a thought my brain is offering up. That's not who I am. Again, self-concept work and purpose work, so much of it is the deconditioning and like taking out of, oh, it's not these stories, right? And when I can pull apart some of that, then I can get to the truth underneath it, which is like what I'm describing here is, you know, the name of my podcast is Unblocked. And the reason I chose that title is because I think getting to know who we are and our purpose is a subtraction problem. It's not more things I need to go out, get, earn, and do. It's removing the blocks and the layers to the awareness of the truth that already resides in us and to the awareness of the gifts that are already in us.
0: And I do love your podcast. It's fun and it's (laughs) exciting and it's, informative and I really, really enjoy listening to it. And you're always so excited. That's awesome. I mean, like, do you drink, do you drink a bunch of coffee or? I don't know. My you husband
1: will tease people because people like they say, they're like, what is it like to live with her? He's like, listen, she's got two speeds. It's like on and off. It's like either I'm going or it's like, I am like watching Netflix in silence. Like, People, you're right. People die when I'm like, no, I actually am an introvert. They're like, stop your lying. Like, no, I love my quiet downtime. But when I'm around humans, I'm like a sponge. I'm like, whatever energy you have, I soak all of it up and like, I'm ready to go. I I take it all. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. Now, I want to go back a little bit to your moment where you wanted to do what Marcia does. Mm. Was there a a specific situation that happened?
1: Yeah, Ray, I hated all my jobs. No, (laughs) don't tell (laughs) for everyone listening. I loved all the people. I loved all the people. But truly, it was in that moment, it was that transition. I would I would joke with people like I peaked early in my career, right? Like I was like at the White House, like hanging out with like Obama administration, just doing wild things. And then I was like, oh, that's not it. And you start to like these moments bring up opportunities for self-awareness because it was like, oh my gosh. So like, was that the thing? Like I was like defined by this job and you know, it's like everything gets called into question, but that wasn't it, right? It was just like recalibrating that I think of, um, cause I think of this with our purpose. Like it looks like a different way in different seasons of our life. Like that's how my purpose was being made manifest at that season of my life and now there's an opportunity for something different. Like I could make it a problem or I could see it as an opportunity to see, well, what else? Like what's the actual like foundational purpose? So that I, like, what is the other outfit I could put on it? Right, It's like you have the infrastructure, like the mainframe of it. It's like, oh, it just is gonna put on the outfit of jail diversion right now. Now it's gonna put on the outfit of a life coach, an entrepreneur. That's what we're doing now.
0: How do you define purpose in your life?
1: I'll answer in two ways. What comes up is... I don't know if you guys have heard of human design. (laughs) We're going to get a little woo here for a second. So human design, if you have not heard of it, it's like a mix of, I mean, I'm going to do a terrible job of of describing that people who are human design experts are like Jessica, but this is what I would say. It's like a mix of astrology and I Ching and chakras and Kabbalah and all of this mixed into one. But it, it made me think of like Mel Robbins when she's like, yeah, there's one in 400 trillion chance of you being you. And human design is like the... Cosmos breathed in a moment in time, and you were birthed, and this was all the stuff that came into you. That's how I would describe it. That's how I think about it. Anyway, in my human design, I'm a two-four generator for anybody who that makes sense to. Um, but in it, there's a whole bunch of stuff. You look at this graph and I'm like, I need like a legend to just navigate this map. It doesn't make any sense. But an expert who looked at it told me my purpose, at least one of the ways it's described in there, to provide services for the betterment of society. It's like when you read your horoscope in the newspaper, you're like, yeah, okay, that's basically like saying wall (laughs) is white. That could be so many things. But I think, again, that's by design. I think sometimes when people struggle with their quote unquote purpose, it's because it's like, is this the job that I'm supposed to have in this neighborhood married to this person doing this thing? And I think that's as humans, we want specificity, but I think that that misses the mark a little bit. And I think our purpose is something a little bit broader, like My purpose is to provide services for the betterment of society. So I would answer it in that way. And that helps me, like, it's just a thought, nothing factual about that, but I feel good when I think that thought, because then I'm like, yeah, that means in my jail diversion world, that fit in as a life coach. Of course, that's what I'm doing because like, I thought about this when I was making that transition from kind of the systems level work to the micro. It was like, I I loved doing stuff at the systems level because it's big and it's powerful. And like making big shifts there makes big shifts, but all of those systems are made up of humans and humans have Mm -hmm. brains and feelings. And most of them are walking around with a MacBook operating system that they don't know how to use. So I'm like, now I'm going to help people understand the operating system that is them in their human flesh suit in this 3D world. And- That's my purpose. That's my contribution to betterment of societies that I'm helping create societies that are made up of humans who understand themselves and how they operate in the world. So they know which levers to pull to make this happen. They know what happens when they push those buttons and they can do it on purpose.
0: I like that. Yeah. So you mentioned that you loved past tense doing things in a systems level, what do you find fulfilling about what you do now?
1: Because like humans are fascinating to me. Like this is part of the, if you ask my, like, I don't know why, why I would say like, since I was little, human behavior fascinates me and I get a front row seat, like pull back the curtain. Like I get to look inside their brains because since I was a kid, I was like, I grew up in a home where there was addiction, justice involvement, right? Like we would be sitting around at Christmas, like everyone's passing around the phone, like who called collect from prison and we're wishing the family member, Merry Christmas. And my cousin and I, we were born five days apart. We were both born to teenage moms. Both of our moms struggle with addiction our whole lives. And my cousin and I were like, we're not gonna do that, right? Like I like looked around at most of my family, (laughs) not all of them, I love y'all still, it doesn't matter. I love y'all anyway, beyond (laughs) the behavior. But I looked at it and I was like, this is like a model of what not to do. Like, that's what I was growing up like. Like, this is what not to do. And my cousin and I were both like, we're not going to do this. Like, we're going to be different. Like, yeah. And then flash forward on graduation day from high school, I'm graduating as valedictorian. My cousin is calling me collect from the county jail to say, like, because you did it, right? Like, you did it. And so I just, I was always, it's like, even with my brother, like, we grew up in the same house, like, we came from the same mom, like, how is it possible, right? Again, it's like, like, what is going on in the operating system of humans? Like, what motivates us? What's, what pulls at us? What gets in our way? What blocks us? And that was fascinating to me. And then obviously, I think with all the justice involvement addiction, I was like, I'm going to revolutionize the prison systems of America and fix all of this. So I like did that with the jail diversion stuff. And again, now it's like. I get a front row seat to what's happening inside of humans. And when I get to help them see, I'm really good at like seeing patterns and people will say to me, it's like, I can very quickly just like see through what's going on with you and be like, okay, here's what I'm seeing. Here's like a starting point. And so to be able to look inside somebody, see what's going on with them and then like hand them a permission slip sometimes, but sometimes also just like four directions on the roadmap of like, here's how we can get you out of that. They're like, What's that? What else is there better to do, right? Like you just get to help people transform their lives, take action on goals that they've wanted for twenty five years, and just like had one thought error standing in the way. So, I mean, obviously, I'll get I'll jump out, you know, jump up and down and like get geeked out on this. But so I don't know if that answers your question, but that's what I love about it now.
0: Yeah, I know the why, why now. Yeah, that's exciting. Is there a, a certain type of clientele that you work with or is it just a diverse cast from all places?
1: Yeah, you know, I do. So this is like every business coach is like, Jessica, have a niche, right? You like, the, you have a niche and then you have a target audience. And um, like, I like to work with all the people with humans, with human brains, which is like the wrong thing to say as an entrepreneur, allegedly. But again, I don't believe in that because I'm like, what in 400 trillion, I get to do whatever I want. So I I mean, like I have a 22-year-old male client. I have a 75-year-old female client and like everything in between because I I do general life coaching. So I will like whatever goal you're working on or there's a block getting in your way, like I'm going to help you figure it out. So I do work with a pretty broad swath. I will say the people who tend to come my way are I guess maybe it's people like me. It's like women who are really at this place where they're like, I'm tired of hiding. I'm tired of like putting on my representative self mask and ignoring my true desires. And it feels really scary, but I want to do that. And that for some people, that's like, I want to leave my religion. Or some people's like, I want to write a book, right? Or another, it's like, I want to level up from my seven figure self to my eight figure CEO self, right? Like it can look so many different ways, but like underneath of it, it's a lot of that. Like people finally saying, I want to say yes to myself. And I want to like say that out loud and take action on it. So those are really fun.
0: Yeah. And there's also a self-educational value to that as a coach, because you're probably learning so much. Oh, yeah. And you can, oh gosh, and you can intertwine so much. I'm, I'm similar. I don't really have a niche clientele or niche target. I just want to work with everybody. Everyone has a story, right? Everyone has a path. And within that story and path, you can always help. Right. There's always room for more kindness and more love. Preach. That being said, how do you find balance in your life? How do you keep it all together?
1: (laughs) Any day now, Ray, any day. No, um, (laughs) keep it all together. Okay, so I already taught you guys about the model, right? The steer model. Here's what I have to say about balance. I think that balance happens in the T line of your model. So again, I'll kind of answer in two ways. One, I do believe that. I think balance happens in the T line of your model. Like When I'm telling myself things like, I'm taking care of everything that's important to me. Right. When my priorities are getting my attention, I'm doing the things that light me up. Sometimes it even sounds like I'm doing this thing right now that is important to this particular part of me. And that matters. Right. Like when I think those thoughts, I feel in my body the vibration that feels like balance, which to me feels like spacious and Mm -hmm. and grounded, like an open and a downward pull. Like that's what balance feels like to me. So I say it happens in the T line in my model. Also, what I have to say about balance is to me, I think of alignment when I think of balance, like that your goals, your values, like those are th- like what's important to you are aligned. And that doesn't always mean equal, right? I think like sometimes people think balance, it's like, you know, they picture the the scales, the weight scales, and it's like, oh, they're holding. It's like, no, it's not like you carve your life up. You see sometimes those life wheels in the pies and it's like everything gets 14% of the pie. Like, no, like for some people, balance might look like a 70-30 split on something, but you'll know if you're in balance because you'll feel it, right? And again, uh, largely that's going to come from the story you're telling yourself about what's happening in your life, how many hours you're spending at work. Some people are like, I want to work 80 hours a week. And they're like, I am on fire. The four minutes I spend with my family is perfect. <laughs> right? like, and, and I think again, where people get jammed up is so often we are tempted to look outside of us to tell us what does balance in my life mean? When people are like, your life's out of balance. And they're like, I'm on fire in my job, but you're telling me I need to have this work-life balance. Like, right. That's the tension is we feel compelled to look outside of us. Somebody tell me what balance looks like in my life. And it's like, that's not where it happens. It's an inside job.
0: And that's why it's so difficult to niche anything because we all have different superpowers. And I love how you said you can feel it. It's your balance vibration. That that says it right there. You know if you're in balance or you aren't. Right. That's fantastic. Now, in today's fast-paced world, it's really easy to... Get overwhelmed with all the noise and chatter and things that are going on. How do you stay focused on your purpose mm. and what keeps you going?
1: Yeah. So, what comes up when you ask that question is when I, when I, like my husband and I moved in together, he's like, You are the most routined person I know. He'd like, never met anyone with a morning routine, apparently. So for me, like it's really important. It's not 100% of the time in every single day, but have like starting my morning with some kind of grounding practice. For me, that might look like meditation, quiet time, journaling. I have a self-coaching practice. So for anyone listening, I, I love freebies. So for anyone listening and you're like, steer model, tell me more, self-coaching practice. What is that? I have a digital unblocked journal that walks through this. So it's like, you can grab the back of a napkin, spend a few minutes and see like, oh, something's coming up for me. Let me write out a model. I feel nervous. Why am I feeling nervous? This is the thought what's happening around me. Oh, somebody said these words. I had thoughts about it. I'm feeling this way. And this time showing up, like doing some things like that. Like when, when you think about, we have whole lives happening around us. So figuring out, What the practices are that you need to stay calibrated every day. Like, I always think it's like you have your center line and every day you're like, you might get three degrees off, right? And if we're not doing something that screams us back to our grounding rod, you're like the airplane that started three degrees off and now you end up in, you know, LA instead of Georgia because you didn't recalibrate. So for me, that looks like things like meditation, quiet time in the morning, some journaling, self-coaching practice. And I have to move my body every morning. You you, like you said somewhere in here, like you have a lot of energy. Yes, I do. So it's very important for me to do cardio in the morning because like wipes the cobwebs out of my mind. Get some of my energy flowing and moving and discharges some of it. And again, that's going to look different for everyone and getting outside. If I'm in between sessions and I want to work on a podcast episode, I'm going out back with my laptop. I'm putting my feet in the grass, being outside in fresh air, even if it's 174 degrees in the shade in South Texas. I love it. And I will be outside. So it's like figuring out those kinds of things. I just, I call them like your grounding rods, like whatever it is that's going to help you get back to center. And those are just some examples of what mine are.
0: That's awesome. I think you and I are related. That's like my exact routine. Yeah. To a T.
1: Well, Ray, It's no coincidence. See, there are no coincidences. These are just synchronicities. Zero. One in 400 trillion. Maybe our souls were next to each other when they came out in their human design.
0: (laughs) Now, what legacy do you hope to leave behind through your purpose and the work you do?
1: So what legacy? So what comes up when you say that? This is so funny. This is what's coming to mind. Okay. Tracy Ellis Ross. If you guys know her, Diana Ross's daughter. I met her one time with Oprah. By meet her, I mean like one of 40,000 people inside of the Coliseum in Dallas. And somebody said to her, somebody asked her a question like, why do people love you so much? And she's like, do they? But what she said was she said, I want people to feel safe when they're around me because when people feel safe, when they around me, then they feel comfortable to be themselves. And in those moments, they might think that it's me that they love, but it's really themselves that they love because they get to experience themselves. So if I think like, if I was to leave a legacy, I would want it to be like, people are like, when I'm around Jessica, like I just felt so much like myself. I really felt permission to be myself because when we feel like ourselves, we feel alive And I think that's kind of one of those purposes we come here on this 3D spinning globe to do. But so I think that would be it that the people, that my legacy would be like, yeah, Jessica just was this walking permission slip for me to be who I am. And when I was around her, I felt love, I felt alive, I felt safe. And that was not her that I was feeling, it was myself that I was feeling.
0: I love that. And I do have to say that you're living your legacy because I feel alive. I feel loved and I do feel safe. This has been an exciting conversation today. And I, I really appreciate your time. And thank you for being with us today on the balanced purpose podcast. Now, if any of our listeners wanted to know more about you, is there a website they can go to, to where they can hear about your services and all the fun stuff you do?
1: Yeah, it's my name, jessicasmarrow.com. Jessica, typical spelling, J-E-S-S-I-C-A, Smaro, S-M-A-R-R-O. I'm sure you'll put it in the show notes. There's no W, people get, it's like, yes, I'll see you tomorrow, Samarrow, but there's no W on it. Um, and same thing for socials. Like I mostly hang out on Instagram and Facebook. Um, so Jessica Smarrow on either of those. So come hang out. Connect with me there. Um, There's always shenanigans happening on there. If you thought this was like a level of ridiculousness, just come hang out with me on social media. Uh, And then the podcast is Unblocked uh, with Jessica Smorrow. You can check that out as well.
0: And I highly recommend listening to the podcast Unblocked. It is a lot of fun and it's very informative and you will not be disappointed. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks for being on our show. And we certainly need to follow up and do a part two because I do want to catch up.
1: Oh, absolutely. This was a blast. Thanks for having me, Ray.
0: Balanced Purpose Podcast was created and hosted by me, Ray Trevino, and is produced and edited by Nick Galtney. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. Check us out at com and on Instagram at balancepurposepodcast. Purpose Podcast. Finding your purpose is a journey, not a destination, and it takes time and effort to achieve balance. Make it a great day.